You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. I was on sabbatical this week, and I kept uh, hearing this word over and over, and I'm going to read two scriptures, Genesis 5.21, we'll start there, Uh, Genesis 5, there we go, okay, so 5.21 says that Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah. Then after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God, listen to this, 300 years and had sons and daughters. So he walked with God. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. You know, that's the way to go. God's just going to swoop us up. I'm into the swooping up. I'm not going to complain about that. Now, Hebrews 11, uh, 5 says, this is what is so cool. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. But before he was taken, he had this testimony. Here is his testimony. His testimony was he pleased God. It didn't say his testimony was he raised the dead. He didn't say his testimony was that, you know, he got thousands of people saved. He said his The testimony of Enoch was that he pleased God. That is like a word, isn't it? You know, God, all the striving and all the energy and all the other things, really, it's about pleasing you. And whatever pleases you, whatever that pleasure is, that's what I want to learn to walk in. I want to walk with you. If you want to swoop me up, that's fine. But I want to walk with you. And when I get done, you say to me, you pleased me. And I'll say, but what about? He'll be like, oh, no. That was side stuff. That's your side hustle. You pleased me is the main hustle. That you pleased me. So, excuse me, I got to get Kleenex. But, uh so good, isn't it? Enoch, he had some kids. Obviously, he was married. We're going to trust that. But his, his big claim to fame was that he pleased God. That was his claim to fame. Yes. And that's what I want my claim to fame to be, that God will say, you pleased me. You pleased me. So I was on sabbatical this past week. It was uh, very, very different. I take a sabbatical every year. I've done this for maybe about 15 years. Uh, I go away for a week. And really, I go away. Not that I couldn't have a sabbatical in my house. But I live with someone who would distract me from having a sabbatical. (laughs) 44 years, you know. He's such a distraction. But I go away because I really just want those days, just me and God. There's no agenda. I always have lots of suggestions for him. But he always has a plan for me. And uh, it took me a couple of years in to realize that I can bring everything I want to bring, but he's going to do what he wants to do. 
So I went on sabbatical. It was very, very different from any other sabbatical I've had. You know, I've written books on my sabbatical. I've done all kinds of things. But this one was all about presence. God kept talking to me about his presence. Whew, we hope we're going to make it through this. We may just lay down in his presence. Uh, but really, it was all about presence. And uh, he kept reminding me that the highest value we could have is the presence. Everything else is so secondary to life. Without his presence, we are unable to move or breathe or have our being. That is what the word says. So I spent the week just basking in his presence. I just spent, I spent a lot of time just laying down, doing nothing, no music, no nothing, just being in his presence. Uh, he just would just soak over me. And it's not like I came out with this great revelation or all this kind of stuff. I had some of that. But really, the whole goal of the week was just to be and just to be with him. And uh, it was very, very interesting because, you know, I, I am a, a, a producer. I love tasks. I love to-do lists. I love goals. I love all that kind of stuff. But it really wasn't about production. It was really about being in his presence. And, uh, you know, one of the things that he kept talking to me about, and I'm just going to share what I went through this week, and I'm going to pray for us. But one of the things he was talking to me about was everything is possible in his presence. And we are never without his presence. If we're by ourselves, we understand that his presence lives in us. We understand that our spirit is made perfect by the blood of Jesus. And our spirit is one with the Holy Spirit. So everything else is surrounding around us being one with the Spirit. Our mind, our emotions, our physical body, our will is to be aligned with that oneness of God. And living out of his presence. And it's interesting because it's really not about... Uh, I don't know how to say this, but he kept saying, you know, it's not about trying to get your mind, your body, your emotions, your soul to submit. It's about knowing that the Holy Spirit and your spirit are doing the perfect will of God. And if all of your soul parts, your body, your mind, your spirit will, will go along with it, it will be a much easier journey. I'm like, wow, now that was a revelation. <laughs> Because I have so much help I want to give him. I always have lots of help I want to give him. But uh, part of this whole understanding, you know, uh, as the gathering, when we started the gathering, we started the gathering around the presence of God. We started meeting in our house first. And it was not about programs or anything like that. It was just about pursuing the presence of God. And that was a high value for me because... I have been through a uh, denominational processes where the presence was not the high value. The time, how much time, how long have you been here? Is it too much time for you? You know, it was like, we've been here an hour and a half. We need to cut this thing off so people can get to breakfast. I mean, it was, the presence of God and the move of God was not the high value. 
the high value was the agenda of the church to accomplish the process to check off that Sunday morning. And when I realized at some point, a few years, few many years ago, we won't talk about how long, but when I realized at some point, God's presence was no longer the key to the church. The church became a, uh, an organization that operated, and I'm not saying all the churches, let's just talk in general of my experience, but the church became an organization that processed and did procedures in order to accomplish the goals of the elders or whoever it was, the board, so that they could add more people, so that they could, you know, get their studies, whatever it was. They, you know, they had, they had agendas, they had goals. And coming out of corporate, that was an easy thing to understand until I realized that the presence was void of the process. Now, we know the presence is there because the presence lives, God lives in us. But the presence wasn't corporately embraced because there was another agenda that needed to be met. So if the presence began to arise in the service, there was a shutting down that occurred in order not to get us off our timing. And uh, that's terrible. Uh, that's all I got to say. <laughs> There's nothing to say, but that's terrible. But anyhow, God works on whoever he works on, however he wants to work. So the gathering was formed around the presence. You know, whatever you want, God, we will prepare, we will pray, we will do whatever you've called us to do, but whatever you want, that's what we want. And we don't want anything else. It's like that song with, just give me Jesus, that's all we want. We only want what you want. And if there's another agenda, we will push it aside so that you can have your way in our lives, right? So part of this process, and we're just going to read a few scriptures. I'm going to go to Exodus 33. But part of this process this week was to remind me, lest I forget, that it really is about presence. Everything we do is about presence. Everything we are is about presence. Exodus 33. I'm going to start reading in uh, verse 7. Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the Tabernacle of Meetings. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the Tabernacle of Meetings, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the Tabernacle that all the people rose, and each man stood at his, the tent of his door and watched Moses until he had gone into the Tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the Tabernacle the pillar of the cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked to Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped each man in his tent door. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. So everyone had to watch Moses encounter the Lord. They could see the presence come on the tabernacle, right? 
but the presence wasn't in their tent door. The Lord met with Moses in his tent of tabernacles. And what we understand from that is Moses developed a friendship with God that was like no other. He wasn't just familiar with God. He wasn't just someone who had information about God. He had experienced God. He had encountered God. When the burning bush happened, he turned toward God. I mean, when God called him, he said yes. And he had lots of questions. It's not like Moses went and said, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. He's like, what about this? And who are you going to send? Who should I say you are? Well, you say that I am who I am. He's like, oh, that's clear. You know, it's not like Moses didn't have dialogue with God. He built a friendship because he had dialogue with God. Because he was willing to say, God, what about this rod? What about the Egyptians? What about the Pharaoh? You know, he was willing to go all the way with God because he had dialogue with God. He was willing to have a relationship with God that went beyond obedience. It went into love. And so God called him friend. So Moses got a friend pass that no one else got. And that was part of the Old Testament. That's part of the Old Covenant. And, and God even said, you know, I don't talk to him in riddles. I don't talk to him in parables. I talk to him face to face because he is my friend. And as we fast forward past Jesus and what he did for us, God calls us friend. He's calling us to meet with him face to face. He's calling us to be able to hear clearly from him, not to speak in riddles to us, but to give us understandings of the mysteries that he's hidden for us to be revealed at this time. So part of this whole process going, you know, being gone this week was really about just spending some face-to-face time with my friend and allowing him to do whatever he did while I was gone whether I understood or knew what he was doing in the first place. You know, I'm like, I, I had lots of ideas. Chuck, I got back and Chuck's like, so what happened? I'm like, not really sure, but I had a lot of good time with just, just being with my friend, being with Jesus and hanging out and sitting on the deck and, you know, laying on the couch and taking a nap. I mean, it was really very, very restful, but there was something that was um, solidifying about it. There was something that, you know, God just wanted to spend time with me, not to project the rest of the year, not to, you know, get my, my plans laid out, which he's done that before. I've gone away and he's given me like a whole layout like he did last year for us. But it was really about just be. And I feel like that's what he's calling us to be. It's just be. Just spend time with me. I am calling you, my friend. I want to spend face-to-face time with you. I want to speak into your life. I want, I want you to understand what my perfect will is in this season so that you can step into that perfect will because he needs us to accomplish what he's set to do. He needs us to accomplish what he's set to do. And I think one of the things we're going to have to really... Um, I don't want to go there. We're going to skip over that. I think we need to pray about this weather. I do not believe this weather is godly weather. 
And I know that sounds weird coming, you know, but we missed a hurricane season, but we're getting beaten up by these tornadoes. So we need to take authority over that as a body and, and say no more. Because I was, I, that's one of the things the Lord said, this, this is not me. We had tornadoes from, instead of a hurricane, we had tornadoes from the panhandle all the way down. Ripped through St. Pete, ripped through a lot of your areas. This is not, a, this is not God. We need a little rain, but we don't need destruction to come with it. So just remember, we have the authority over the weather. That's what a friend tells you. He gives you a heads up that what's happening is not, is not right. So we need to take authority over the weather and what's happening now because this destruction is not of God. And they all said, amen. amen. It really is not. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, Lord. I don't care if it's El Nino or El Nino or whoever it is. All I know is tornadoes destroying is not of God. And we have the power to stop that. Yeah, we don't care who it is. We don't care why it's happening. We just know it's not going to happen on our watch, right? So John 15, verse 9. I might have given Noah some of these. I might not have. You know, we'll see. It says, as the Father loved me, also, I have also loved you. Just receive that. I, Jesus has loved us the way the Father has loved him. It's not like, oh, I love you as a distant relative. no. The father of all creation has loved Jesus in a way that has been transferred to us. We are loved. We are loved beyond our even ability to understand that kind of love. And anytime we think we're unloved, we need to just lay the word over it and say, no, I am loved so much by the father through Jesus who gave it all so I could be loved. Right? That's a good word. The word is a good word. <laughs> right? You know, I was, uh, I did do a couple little things there. Um, I belong to Bethel's leader network, leadership network, and they have master classes on them, which are really excellent. It's a very inexpensive thing to become involved in. You can look on their, uh, you can Google it, Bethel leadership network, but they have master classes on there. And uh, I did a master class that was really amazing. Uh, about, they called it mystic, mothering mystics, mystics, you know. Uh, but it was really about um, the unseen, being able to look at the mountain that's in front of us, that is seen, the challenges that are seen in front of us, and be able to look beyond the challenges into the unseen realm which God has provided for us. And how and pulling that unseen realm into being. And that really comes out of the presence. When we have an issue, when we have a struggle, it doesn't mean the struggle instantly disappears. Part of the challenge last week is I still had this crazy cough from the flu. Um, it, I just would cough all night. I would, uh, during the day, fine. All night long, I would cough. I was like, yeah. So, um, it's not that the challenges disappear, but there's something about the presence that brings the ability to see beyond what's in front of you, right? Verse 10, it says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. Out of that love... 
is the fullness of joy. And it's not an ecstatic, external joy. All of this is an internal ability to live in an external world. The word is our guide to what is possible. When we read the stories about Moses parting the Red Sea, when we read the stories of Elijah and Elisha, it's not to say, wow, that's really cool. It's to say, that is possible for me. If there's tornadoes tearing up our town, then the possibility is Jesus calmed the storm. We can calm that storm. Bring the rain. Avert the disaster. If the waters are sick, then I can throw a stick or whatever God tells me, salt, whatever it is, in order to heal the waters. Uh, one of the testimonies I was going to tell you about doing this master class was they had gone to a city in Nebraska, this team of people that, you know, came out of Bethel, gone to a city in Nebraska, and they were doing some training and teaching. And um, on their way out, they decided to stop by the hospital and just, you know, pray on the different floors. They weren't invited to. They went in pairs of two. I think there were 28 of them or something. There were 28. There were seven floors in the hospital. And uh, so they just went through the hospital praying. They didn't have any, they didn't really find anybody to pray for. They weren't going in people's rooms. They weren't going to be intrusive. Except one little boy who was, they couldn't figure out what was wrong with him. And then someone else. Um, So after they had left, one of the nurses who had gone to, who worked at that hospital said that 80% of their patients checked out within 24 hours. 80%. And I know we have a declaration that talks about the hospitals being emptied, the nurses' homes, okay? And I'm telling you this for a reason. And they were like, they didn't go in and say, 80% get out. They just went in and all they did was release the presence. They walked up and down the halls, up and down the stairs, releasing the presence of God. We just release your peace. We release your healing. That's all they did. Uh, Except they did pray for the little boy. And they heard several days later that he was completely healed and sent home also. But they went doing that, and um, let me get the actual statistics. So it's in here. So 80% of the hospital, the people checked out and went home. It stayed empty for nine months at an 80, 80%, 20% occupancy rate. Nine months. Then uh, the, the three months before they came back, they came back every year, it began to fill back up. But when the team landed at the airport, the occupancy dropped again to 20%. And it stayed that way. So much so that the hospital had to reconfigure what it was being used for. They they did, you know, they they told us a whole bunch of stuff that they did. But anyhow, it said that um, the, the percentages never went back up and the only one, it said the, some of the departments were transferred to other places, but the one department that thrived was labor and delivery. <laughs> the increase of babies being born, and they saw one baby raised from the dead. So and I thought that was interesting. But they said that part of breakthrough is being able to sustain the breakthrough. Amen. Yes. And the breakthrough came not by going in every room, not by doing anything. They didn't know what to do. They just prayed to release the presence. Two people at a time. 
and they were able to sustain. That hospital is now reconfigured. It has other functions that it does, but the labor and delivery continues to thrive. That's a good testimony, isn't it? I thought that was really good. Very, very powerful. It says, uh, I don't know what verse I'm on, but I think it's, uh, this is my commandment. I already read that one, right? Oh, no. Let me start there. Uh, verse 11, it says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. What does a fullness of joy look like? I mean, these are questions I've been asking God. You know, in Ephesians, it talks about being filled to the fullness of God. I'm like, God, what does the fullness of you look like in me? I mean, just think about what does the fullness of God look like in you? What does the fullness of joy look like in us? Yeah, the presence of God. There's a fullness in that. It says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has uh, no one than this, that they lay down their lives for friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. One other little thing that I thought was very interesting because I hadn't thought of it in this terms. You know, they talk about uh, not um, good. They talk about something and it's going to be good as soon as I think of it. Uh, it's not squishing, but don't squelch the Holy Spirit, right? Okay, squelch it. Yeah, squench. I knew it was something. Thirsty water. I don't know. But, and they were talking about, you know, sometimes we think of that in more of a corporate setting. But uh, one of the guys was talking about, but every time we don't do what the Holy Spirit is leading us to do, that is squelching the Spirit. It's not you that's squelching the Spirit. It's me that's not that's squelching the Spirit when I don't step into what God's called us to do. Every time the Holy Spirit nudges us to speak or say something or pray or whatever it is, and we don't do it, we're, we're squelching Him. We're telling him that what you have for me, for that person, is not important enough for me to obey what you've told me. And Jesus says, if you obey what I've called you to do, then you are my friends. I'm going to give you more. You know, you have, you have really close friends. You have another circle of friendship. But the ones that are really close, they're going to know the more. They're going to know everything about you. They're even going to know when you're not doing well when you don't even tell them. Because there's a heart-to-heart -heart connection there. Jesus is saying, in order to be that friend to me, I, I need for you to do everything you've, I've called you to do. Every little dot, every little tittle, every little nudge, I need for you to step into it. Because what's on the other side of that will be a breakthrough for the kingdom that you're bringing that wouldn't occur if you don't do it. Right? Oh, God had a lot to say. He said nothing, but he had a lot to say. I think it was that hidden stuff. You know, he hides down for him to, you know, for him to dig out. But there's such a value that as believers, we have to put on his presence. There's nothing else but Jesus. And unless we put a value on his presence, then we'll be unable to really step into the friendship and the oneness that he's called us to.
We have a oneness that he's not going to take away. But the fullness of that oneness won't be able to come alive until we say yes to everything he's calling us to do. Everything. Even the things we don't like. Even the things that make us uncomfortable. So uh, one of the things the Lord did tell me is that it's going to be a fire season for us. And part of the fire season is going to be separating the wheat from the chaff. And the separation is going to be done to us, for us, because he loves us. And getting rid of the things that are externally distracting to the oneness of relationship he's called us to. And there's lots of those. We know that there's lots of those. When I, the last night I was there, uh, the Lord showed me that he posted two SWAT angels at the door and two SWAT angels on the deck. And I was like, I didn't ask why because I thought I probably don't need to know. <laughs> I might go home early. But they were just there. and They're dressed in black, SWAT angels. And I've seen him before in my dreams, the SWAT angels. But, he, but I felt like he was showing me that there is a, a military angelic force that has been sent. Even uh, Pastor Gene was saying that over Diana. There is a military angelic force that has been sent to go with us as we go through these uh, times of trials in front of us because we're not living from the trials in front of us. We're living from the internal within us. We're living from our spirit to spirit connection with the Holy Spirit that does the perfect will of God. And as long as we live out of that spirit spirit connection, we too will be doing the perfect will of God. That was good, wasn't it? Michelle liked that. Thanks. Well, when you think about it, it really is almost puzzling. You're like, Lord, I know this, right? I know it. And, uh, but there is a, a, uh, a sinking, almost like a, uh, uh, you know, most of us will remember radios, the refining of the radio till you hit, you know, there's a little static here, a little static there, but when you hit that right frequency, yes, yes, somebody has a word for me today, (laughs) but when you hit that right frequency, there's a realization that all things are possible for those who believe. No matter what is impossible, the possible is there for me. Because what is possible is in the unseen that God is calling me to call forward into the scene. So I am not looking at the mountain that stands in my way. I'm looking through the mountain at Jesus who stands on the other side that has the unseen solution for me to pull in, right? And we do that because we are one in the spirit. We are friends of Christ. We have been given the ability to know all things through the Holy Spirit. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2 says that. I mean, it says it all through there. We have everything we need in order for godliness, in order to move forward in what he's called us to do. And not only do we have him, we have each other. And and that's the biggest grace that God has given us is a family who is pursuant of God and wanting all that he has for each other. It's like with Diana, you know, 
It's like the most exciting thing ever. If it burns in your heart and you make motion toward what's burning, then results will be that perfect will of God. No matter how many times the enemy tried to distract, destroy, taunt. She had a body around her that was like, oh no, the enemy isn't going to get any traction on this. He's not going to win and steal the desires of your heart. So good. Yeah. Okay. So I just want to read one other scripture and then we'll be done. It's an exciting time. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 6, uh, starting in verse 19. And we're going to close with this. It says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? We are the very temple of God. We are the temple of God. When you go out, you, you shake that temple. Right? You, you let the, the presence of God fall off of you onto people. I'm still waiting. Matt gave me a word. It was three years ago, right? Okay, then he sent me the word again the other day. And he said, I just want to remind you the word I gave you. I'm going to look it up. And he said, because the Lord keeps talking to me about it. And I'm like, yes, let it be according to your word, God. Because if it's for me, it's for you. It says, um, oh, yeah, yeah. So Matt sends me this word and I felt like, okay, Lord, we have prayed for this. We have gone after this. He said, this is the in prayer this morning. The Lord reminded me of the word I shared with you three years ago. Now listen to this. The Acts 1911 anointing. Okay. The Acts 1911 says. I know it by heart, but I don't want to, I don't want to miss one, one word of it. It says. Now, God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick and the diseases left them and the evil spirits went out of them. Okay, so I have been saying that out loud. So now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Cindy. And, and that's what we have to do. We have to take the word and say, okay, God, this was not only the word, but it's a prophetic word to me personally. And it says, while you operate in healing signs and wonders, I see the Lord using you in ways that will make people's draw jobs. I'm, I'm not going to hate that. Amen. Right? Amen. This word can be for you too, right? Yeah. There will be no dispute that God performed creative miracles. And as he was showing me this, I kept hearing that old Gaither's song, Look What the Lord Has Done. Amen. And then he sent me another one. He said, I literally ended my call and got that download a few minutes ago. Nearly put me on the floor. You know, he works. He falls on the floor. He's just <laughs> quite, quite talented. It says, the other verses to meditate on that word is Acts 3, the story of John and Peter and the cripple. This is a new level anointing and impartation. If it's a new level anointing for me and impartation, then it is for all of us, right? So that as I read over that story, the lame man looked at Peter and John with expectation. This new level for you will have similar encounters. Even people that have followed you or known you will be looking with expectation. We are looking with expectation this year. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done.
I think that's good. Like, thank you so much. Thank you. So I want you to look with expectation. Look with what has been prophesied over you. Look what's been prophesied out of the word. This word tells me what is possible in my life. It tells me that I can have the axe head float. It tells me that I can hear the dreams of the kings that, that plot against us. I can hear the dreams so that I can sound the warning. This word tells me that I can part the Red Sea, whatever my Red Sea is. This word tells me that I can move a mountain and I can walk on water and I can multiply the fish. This word tells me everything that is available to me. Everything. So we're going to practice. Shall we go walk on water today? I don't know. It's a little cold outside, but <laughs> by the word of the spirit. No, but seriously, that's what the word. So we're, we're living in 2024 with an expectation. And I love numbers. I'm just going to end with this again. I'm going to end for the third time, but I'm going to end with this. 2024 is eight. Uh, the Hebraic meaning of eight is new beginnings. It is to start a new beginning. Uh, I listened to Bobby Connor yesterday talking about 2024 and the open doors. But he talks about you got to have a plan. You got to have the word in you. That the open door does not open if you stand on the side and look at it and say, boy, I sure hope it opens. It opens because you take action in faith to make that door open. You declare the word of God over what he's promised you. And you come with the expectation that he will meet you where you are and fulfill what he has promised you. Amen. Okay, we really are done. We really are. So if you'll stand, let's just pray for a minute. The presence of God is so faithful to us. And, and we are excited about miracles. We're excited about that even our clothes will have be so anointed, not because it's fabric, but because of the presence. That's right. That even the sweat of our brow, as nasty as it may seem, We'll heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons. Amen. So, Father, we just receive your word that Acts 19, 1, that we're, we're 11, that we are going to move in signs and ones and miracles. There is expectation in our heart, Lord. We say, just like that song we sang today, we say yes to you. Come and move. Have your way, God, because we want the fullness, to be filled with the fullness of God, to be filled with the fullness of joy. And God, we just thank you that you call us friend and that you long to spend face-to-face -face time with us. And so, Lord, just thank you that you will make room. We say we don't have enough time, but you are the time maker. So for all of us, that you'll make room for us to have face-to-face -face encounters with you. And it, I feel like it doesn't have to be like this big boom, boom, boom. It's just being. My face to yours. I'm just being in your presence, Lord. So God, thank you that uh, you're ushering in some new beginnings for us. You're ushering in some opportunities for us. And we come with expectant hearts knowing that you are faithful and that you are good and that you will complete every good work you've begun in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. 
If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.